Good evening. My name is Chris, and I'm going to tell you a wonderful story that will lull you into a peaceful and restful sleep. Tonight, I'm going to tell you the story of unrequited love. A love that a god felt for a female who did not wish to reciprocate it. But before we begin our story, let's settle down for a relaxing half hour. Take a few seconds to calm your breathing. Allow your body to sink deeply into your mattress. Now take a few deep breaths as you lie down, inhaling and exhaling, feeling your heart rate slow down, settling while any thoughts of the day also subside. As you feel those thoughts slipping away, simply let them go. Just lay any burdens aside, any other anxieties that have been crowding your mind. And now, imagine that you are in ancient Greece, a land between the sky and sea, a land where stories hold the key to our past and also to our future. A place where there are hundreds of stories to hear and to tell. There, the sun shines high, the wind is cool, and many sailboats grace the waters as they journey around the islands, islets, coves, and bays. You too would surely like a trip to this historical land, and so you relax as you listen to this story. Are you ready now? Then let's begin. This story takes place a long, long time ago in ancient times, when humans and gods and goddesses, nymphs and magical creatures roamed our planet. This was when the light of the sun was known as the great god Apollo and the glow of the moon washed over the earth every night by his counterpart, the goddess Serene. Apollo, the god of light, son of Zeus, had but one important duty, to drive a four-horse chariot across the sky, to give light to all men, women, children, and living things. As he did so every day, Apollo would race his chariot from one end of the earth to the other, watching the worlds it woke up beneath him every morning. Now, you must understand that Apollo was a god who held quite a lot of power. For with his light, the sunlight, he caused plants and trees to grow. He gave energy and power to every living thing. Without him, none could live as prosperously. And because he was the great god of the sun, he was loved by many maidens. Throughout his existence, Apollo fathered many children and took many lovers. Truth be told, the goddesses adored him, sought out a place in his realm, and wished to experience his love. 
the mortal women too often gazed up to the sky, admiring Apollo's warmth and strength. Apollo did not marry any women or goddess, but that is not to say he did not have lovers. He had dozens, in fact. But our story is about the first female whose beauty bewitched Apollo before anyone else claimed his heart. She was also his most famous love. This female's name was Daphne, daughter of the river god Peneus. Daphne was a nymph, a beautiful, sprightly, and sensuous creature who lived among the sparkling ripples and waves of the water. Nymphs were not human, and not fully goddesses, perhaps minor goddesses, you could say. And there were many of them who roamed the earth, wherever there was nature, trees, caves, beaches, or meadows, you would find the nymphs gathering there. The nymphs were responsible for looking after the plants and animals of their realm. They protected the living things who grew freely, filling the earth with color and vibrant energy. There were also many different types of nymphs. For example, the nymphs of the flowers who lived between the blossom's petals, the nymphs of the breeze who flew on the wisps of cooling winds that sailed around the earth, following their father, the wind god. There were nymphs of fountains, rivers, and springs, those who chose water as their constant companion. They were also called Naiades, the nymphs of trees and forests, whom some called Dryades. From the tall pines to the great oaks, the forests hid many of the nymphs between their branches and leaves. Then, the nymphs of the sands, who made their home amongst rocky shores and shell-covered beaches. These graced the tides as the ocean rolled back and forth, back and forth. There were many other types of nymphs, too many to name them all now. What is important to remember is that they were lovely, graceful creatures, and their beauty was, in fact, what shaped the Earth's beauty. Daphne was a naiad nymph, caretaker of the waters. Her ethereal beauty was a blend of the water's restlessness and calmness. As she moved along the river, she caused it to flow in many directions, giving life and grace, and reflecting the sun wherever that river journeyed. One day, as Apollo raced his chariot high in the sky, he noticed his own reflection in the river. And, as he followed it, he also noticed the beautiful nymph who was responsible for keeping his water pure and flowing. Yes, there she was, her long hair dancing in the water, her naked limbs caressed by diamonds of light as they danced on its surface. The irresistible Daphne. Apollo had heard the other gods and creatures speak of Daphne and her beauty before. 
but this was the first time he saw her with his own eyes. He needed not even a full minute to decide that she was the most beautiful creature he had ever seen. He could hardly tear his eyes away from her, but duty called, and as the day wore on, he sped his chariot across the sky, from one end of the earth to the other. All the while, thinking of this nymph he had seen, unable to get her out of his mind. When Apollo consulted his friends, they told him what he hadn't known before. Daphne was a peculiar creature, and he should be aware of this. She did not desire to marry any man or god. She was a nymph committed to her work, to caring for the water, there was no human nor god alive who could distract her from her daily tasks. Trust us, we've all tried before, they admonished Apollo. The truth was that Daphne admired Diana, the moon goddess. Diana was said to be pure and chaste, while serving the universe as was her duty. And Daphne wanted to be just like her, she did not want to marry anyone and become committed to anybody, be he a man or a god. Well, as you can imagine, Apollo did not think this to be much of a challenge. The next day, as his chariot passed over her river, Apollo called out to her. Daphne gazed up at the sun god. Showing off again, she said to herself, she continued swimming, continued ignoring him. And again, Apollo called out to the young nymph. Daphne, don't you desire to ride with me in my chariot of fire? He asked, but she paid no attention to him. Apollo tried to get Daphne to look at him day after day, but she could not be convinced. Finally, he decided to look for Eros, the god also known as Cupid. His arrows, when shot into the heart of any creature, would pierce them with love and desire. This was Eros's daily activity, and surely he could help Apollo out here, the sun god thought to himself. However, Apollo could not help but laugh when he found Eros and saw him playing with his bows and arrows as if they were great hunting weapons. Apollo felt proud of his own powers, which could not even stand comparison to Eros's single arrow trick. He swooped on over to the God of Desire and gave a little laugh. Why do you play with weapons of war? They are probably better off in the hands of someone who knows how to wield real weapons, taunted Apollo. Hand them over, and maybe you should play with kindle flames instead. Eros was not amused. Apollo thought quite mightily of himself, and he was indeed powerful. But that was no reason to make fun of the other gods or their duties. Strike everything else you want with your great arrows, Apollo, he called back, and leave mine alone 
lest they strike your heart. Apollo laughed, and was about to tell him that he did indeed need one or two of his arrows for Daphne's young heart. However, before the sun god could get any closer, here is what the god of desire, Eros, did. He carefully chose two arrows from his full quiver. One was a golden arrow, it was very sharp, and gleamed in the light that shone down from Apollo's being. This one he held carefully, fitted on his bow, pulled back the string until it was tight enough, and then pointed it straight at Apollo's heart. Upon release, the arrow flew through the air and hit its target. The sun god was smitten as he looked down on Daphne. If it was love that filled his heart in days past, now it was the desire so strong that nothing else could compare. But Eros was not finished yet. He had planned a second arrow, a very, very blunt one, this time tipped with lead. This one he adjusted to shoot straight to the heart of Daphne. And those who knew Eros and his ways knew that the arrows tipped with lead would do the opposite of love. They would repel. Whoever was struck by these arrows would also be struck with hatred for the one who was in love with them. And they would also be immune to all the so-called weaknesses that being in love sometimes brings. Now, you must remember that when this story took place, Apollo was still a youth. He had never been in love before, and, as we all know, falling in love for the first time is an experience unlike any other. And now, Apollo's first love was consuming his heart and mind. The way the sea consumes the sand when the moon's tide carries the water back to the shore. All day long, as he drove his chariot, he could think of nothing else but the beautiful Daphne. His wheels were on fire, and so was his heart. When night came, and the western wind had cooled the chariot, he still could not put her out of his mind. Daphne was the theme of his dreams. She ruled his thoughts as if a nymph could ever overpower a god. She never did fall in love with Apollo, for the arrow that pierced her heart was the one tipped with lead. Whenever he passed above her, she felt repulsed. She hated him. She despised him and wished he would disappear forever. Of course, she also knew that without the light of the sun, darkness might overwhelm the world. And so, if he must love her, then let him love her from a distance. She would not give in. Daphne was determined to stay as pure as the moon goddess Diana, whom she still adored. One day, 
Apollo could not stay away from the object of his love no longer. He followed Daphne as she flitted through the grass. It was a beautiful spring day. The flowers were blossoming around Daphne's feet. Little birds fluttered down to sit on her shoulders. As she walked, barefoot in the wet grass, Apollo thought to himself that it looked as if the grass beneath her feet shimmered in golden showers. The white-hot flames of his chariot shone down like a spotlight on her and made the sparkles around her glow like an aura of beauty. He was mesmerized. Apollo came lower to touch her. He wanted to kiss her soft lips, feel her skin, caress her hair, and lie down with her in that golden grass. But before he could approach her, Daphne heard him moving and spun around. Keep your distance, Apollo, she warned him. Come now, Daphne, protested the sun god. I am not your enemy, but your lover. I bow to you and you alone. I might conquer all others on earth, but you, you have conquered my heart, and I only wish to worship you, to kiss you. He moved forward to grasp her hair, but as Daphne heard these words, she began to run, and run, and run. The more afraid she grew, the faster she ran. She was spurred on by the fear in her heart. Just as Apollo was spurred on by love, as he started to chase her, she sped on, her heart racing, her hair blowing in the wind. He followed her close, his chariot gaining speed and wings on fire. Daphne could feel Apollo's heart close behind her. She picked up her feet and ran faster, faster, faster. But then, the nymph of the water realized that she could never, ever outrun the sun. She was nearly at the banks of the river, ruled by her father, Peneus. She did not stop until her feet touched the water, and then she cried out, Father, help me, save me from Apollo. She was calling out to the river god, her father, Peneus. In that fateful moment, Peneus heard her cry. He looked to see that his daughter was being overcome by a being more powerful than other gods. And if it was love that was spurring him on, well then, his power would be even more invincible. He knew what he had to do to save his daughter. No longer would she be the unbound, carefree nymph that she was before. No longer could she roam the forests, swim in the rivers, go wherever she pleased. He would change her into a different creature. But this way, she would not be overcome by Apollo. He would turn her into a laurel tree. It was a tough decision for any father to make, but Peneus knew that it would be for his daughter's own good. 
as Apollo came nearer. He reached out to grasp Daphne's arm, and with the other he clasped her waist to pull her towards him. Suddenly, the skin of her flesh started to dry up and grow darker, the color of bark. Apollo thought she had stopped and was about to turn to face him, when he saw from her long and nimble legs the roots of a tree grow outward and reach to the earth, digging themselves into the soil. He looked into Daphne's eyes and saw there was a look of both anxiety and relief all at the same time. And, as he gazed at her face, he saw it morphing beyond recognition. Her long, flowing blonde hair, those strands that he saw as jewels and had come to love, started to blow in the wind, reaching wildly up to the sky. He watched as her hair kept on blowing, kept on morphing, and took on the shape of leaves and branches. Apollo did not know what was happening to his beloved Daphne. A magical, mystical effect was taking place, but he did not know where it came from, or how. As he stood, looking at her now frozen, he thought he could hear her voice, even through her pursed and frozen lips. I could never love you, Apollo, not in the way that you love me. I am the child of the earth, and forever here, connected to the earth, I will now stay. Apollo cried out in fear at this voice. He took a step backwards and gazed in astonishment. For now, he saw that the young nymph had completely morphed. She was no longer a girl but a tree, a laurel tree with deep green leaves, steady branches, and a trunk rooted firmly in the earth. He tried to touch her, but she did not feel as supple as before. Woody branches now stuck out, poking at his fingers. Even so, he moved forward to embrace her. Still he saw beauty in that earthen tree those deep green leaves. He reached out to pluck a few of the leaves, a few of the branches, and shaped them into a crown he placed on his own head. Very well, Daphne. Since you cannot be my bride, at least you shall be my tree. You are my laurel one. I shall wear you always in my hair, and think of you all day long for every day to come. Daphne could hear Apollo as he spoke these words, but now a deep calm and peace had filled her heart. For her father had heard her cries, and had given her the chance to keep on living near the earth that she loved so much, and wait for no man, no mortal, and no god, no immortal, to ever touch her in a way she did not desire. In her mind, Daphne was free. She might be forever stuck to the soil. She might not have the freedom to move about as she once did. But 
This was the kind of freedom she knew how to treasure. This way, no other creature could ever own her. She could finally be like the moon, an object that all men admired, but no one had ever enslaved. She could finally live in the light of her heroine, Diana. Apollo was forced to go on with his day, and his existence, and, oh yes, he did find other maidens to love, even other goddesses, yet he never forgot his first love, Daphne. From that day on, Apollo always wore the wreath of the laurel tree in his hair, and, on Mount Olympus, anyone who had completed a mission fit to be honored by the gods was given a laurel crown to grace their heads as well. It was considered a mark of beauty, a crown of glory, and, to this day, men and women all over the world still speak of Laurel's One. It should also be said that from that day on, all other living creatures thought twice before they ever dared to mock the god of desire, Eros. For everyone learned from the mistake Apollo had made. In the land of ancient Greece, every four years, a laurel wreath was given to the winner of the Pythian Games, a competition held to honor the sun god, Apollo. Thank you for joining me for this story on Soothing Pod. I do hope that when you find your true love, it will be reciprocated to you in the way that you wish for. Good night, sweet dreams, and until next time. <laughs>